I'm Lauren. Hello, I'm Sarah. And welcome to Multilingual Mamas. Welcome to the introductory episode of Multilingual Mamas. Today, we're going to take a few minutes to introduce ourselves, let you know about our personal stories with bilingualism and multilingualism, and talk a little bit about why we're making this podcast and uh, what we hope to achieve with it. So in my case, uh, I speak Finnish and English. I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri in the U.S. speaking only English at home. I worked at a restaurant in high school and made a lot of Spanish-speaking friends, so that's when I got pretty fluent in Spanish. And then in college, I studied foreign language education and studied abroad two semesters and a summer in Spain. Uh, My senior year of high school, I also went to Spain with a trip that my high school organized. So during, yeah, then I studied abroad um, I got became a certified Spanish teacher, but then I went pretty much right to grad school for Spanish linguistics and, get, and then got my master's and PhD in linguistics. In grad school, I met Cesar, who's my husband, and he's from Spain. And since we moved in together, we've been speaking mostly Spanish at home together. So um, in my case, I, I also can't speak English and Spanish. Um, and like Lauren, I grew up in Spain. Uh, my parents are actually from the south of Spain, but we moved to um, kind of like the middle area of Spain when I was a kid because my dad was in the military, and then we moved back south. I started studying English when I was eight years old, which is kind of like the norm in Spain these days. Um, and then um, I was always interested in English, especially American English. So I always did my best to listen to American English. And then uh, when I was um, 18 years old, I decided that I wanted to pursue a degree in languages. So I signed up for English philology, which is a combination of language and culture. Um, and then I was in, in school for five years. During those five years, every chance I had to, to go abroad to an English-speaking country, I took. I actually lived in Scotland for a summer back in 20, 2008. And then uh, my last year of undergrad, I moved to Germany and I did my study abroad in Germany, which is where I met my husband, who is a bilingual speaker of French and English. And he obviously speaks French. So that's where I met him. And after that, he followed me and we came to the United States. So current, so I mentioned that I went to grad school for Spanish linguistics. Um, after I graduated, I worked for a year in Arkansas. And then I came to Wake Forest. My husband and I both work at Wake Forest. I teach Spanish language and culture classes. I teach linguistics classes. I have taught teaching methods classes. I, I've also taught Spanish for heritage speakers, so uh, Spanish classes for people who grow up speaking Spanish at home. I have run after-school programs for bilingual kids to practice their Spanish, especially reading and writing in Spanish. And I've worked a lot with the public school system, uh, training future Spanish teachers, supervising um, their student teaching, their internships, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, like Lauren, I also work at Wake Forest. I'm an I'm assistant professor of Spanish. I just finished my PhD last year, back in May 2019, and I do similar things to what Lauren does. I have a background in linguistics, so I can teach classes in Spanish from the elementary levels to more advanced courses or seminars in linguistics. I have taught classes like bilingualism in the, in the Spanish-speaking world or the Spanish of the U.S., which is a little bit different than the Spanish of the rest of the Spanish-speaking world. Um, so my partner is Cesar. 
He was born in the north of Spain, in Santander, but they moved to Madrid when he was three, I think. Uh, he never wanted to learn English, really. Um, he studied Spanish philology as an undergraduate, then did his master's in Spain as well, and just came to the U.S. to do his PhD. Uh, he came to the U.S. because the uh, economic situation in Spain was um, was really not good after the 2008 uh, financial crisis, so he came to the U.S. looking for better job opportunities. We met my first semester of graduate school, but yeah, he learned a lot of his English through uh, meeting my family because my family doesn't know any Spanish at all. So he had to speak English pretty frequently whenever he was around my family. And now his English is, is great. Awesome. So the linguistic background of my husband is a little bit more complicated. Um, he, so he was born in France. Then he moved to the UK. After the UK, he moved to Italy. And then he moved back to France. His parents are both English speakers. His dad is um, an English speaker uh, from the US and his mom is an English speaker from the UK. So he grew up speaking English at home, uh, but the, the language that he spoke at outside the, the household for the most part was French for the most part of his life. So yeah, we met in Germany. We tried speaking German to each other, but that didn't work out really well because our proficiency levels were kind of limited at the, at the time. So we decided to switch to uh, English because I was studying English at the time and he was an A speaker of English. And so we, we, we started talking in English and then we moved to the United States and in the, in the United States, it made a lot of sense for us to be speaking in English. So we spoke English and we are still speaking English to each other now. And thanks to him, my English is better. He would want me to say that. So I'm going to say that. Credit where credit is due. Yeah. Yeah. Partners are, are the best. They, uh, they don't mince any words. They'll tell you when something's not right. True. <laughs> um, so at our house, we still mostly speak Spanish. We get this question a lot. What language do you speak at home? And the base language in our household, I would say, is, is definitely Spanish. But uh, English creeps in a lot. We, we code switch a lot. So yeah, somewhere between 60 to 70% Spanish, probably. Uh, and then we speak English when we're with my parents, which we are with my parents pretty frequently. And that really hasn't changed much since our daughter was born. We, we still mostly speak Spanish at home and then English when we're with my parents. Okay. Um, Cesar and I have one daughter, Victoria. She is 15 months old. We are obviously trying to raise her bilingual and she has been exposed to Spanish and English pretty much from birth because she's been around my parents a lot. Um, and they only speak English, and we try to maintain only Spanish at home. Uh, she now, she just started going to daycare, and in the daycare, as far as I know, she's only exposed to English. She has started to speak and produce some single words, and almost all of those words are in Spanish at this point. But I was telling Sara that she came home from daycare and, and already said water, after like the first day of daycare. So English is, is already um, infiltrating our household via daycare. <laughs> so in our case, I have two children. I have an almost four year old, Lucas, um, and, uh, and a, basically a newborn. I have a three month old, knowing me. And 
our dynamics are a little bit different since my husband and I used to speak English with each other. Now that we have our kids, we made a decision to try and raise them trilingual. So we we still talk to each other in English, but then we have decided to adopt what some people call the one parent, one parent, one language, which is I would talk to my children in, in Spanish and my husband is talking to them in French. So the dynamics are a little bit weird. I guess for us, it's become very natural, but when we have people over for dinner, they notice real fast. We notice real fast in their faces that they don't understand what's going on. Because you can, you can have us having dinner and I will talk to my son in Spanish and he will answer back in Spanish. And then he will just talk to his dad in French and he answers back in French. So he obviously understands our conversations in English, but he will still address us separately in the two other languages. Of course, my three-month-old doesn't speak yet, I'm, I'm hoping she's starting to understand a little bit, but um, she still hasn't played a big role in our family linguistic dynamics. So, yeah. yeah. That'll be interesting to see how a second child, how they talk to each other. I know what I can say right now is that my son, uh, one of the questions that my, my mom asked me actually personally, because she, she's monolingual in a, in a sense, and she was always interested is, what is Lucas talking to knowing me in? Like what, what languages does, does he, or what language has he chosen? And it's not easy. Honestly, it, it depends. If I just talk to him or I'm in the same room as him and him and I were interacting, he will talk to her in Spanish. But if I walk away and then he's talking to his dad and then suddenly he switches to, to her, he'll talk to her in French. So he's definitely choosing the two languages depending on the context. Cool. Well, we'll keep us updated on that. Yeah. Um, in terms of strategies, like I said, we are trying to keep Spanish in the home as much as possible, knowing that um, Victoria, any of our kids will get a lot of English exposure from society, from my family that doesn't speak any Spanish. Um, and so that's a conscious decision to speak only Spanish at home. We also um, are going, we can't right now because of COVID-19, but we would like to spend significant amounts of time in Spain maybe even send uh, Victoria to Spain uh, to stay with her grandparents for the summers at some point, um, maybe have her do a year of school in Spain if, if that's ever possible. But that's basically how we're, we're hoping to work this out. Yeah, for us, it's kind of similar. We're trying to do as much French and Spanish as possible. I didn't say before, but my son started going to daycare when he was about nine months. So he's been exposed to English from a very early age because we both have to work. Um, however, I would say his English is not really good. He understands everything, but he doesn't uh, produce a lot of English and he's actually really insecure about his English. So he's always dragging me with him everywhere to talk to people in English because he doesn't feel comfortable using it. But uh, for us, if we spend a lot of time as a family, uh, there's a lot of English between Alex and I, so my husband and I. So what we've done is we have decided sometimes to spend time with our, our kids separately. So like if my husband spends a long time with my son, it's, in, it's French only. There's a way to quantify how much input he gets. And if it's the other way around, if they spend time with me, it's going to be only in Spanish. So in a way, I'm the more outdoorsy person that so will take the kids out and that's my alone time with them. And when I have to work, now with the whole COVID-19 and having to work from home, I will like spend a few hours working and then my husband will take care of the kids and then that's their French time. So in a way we have split that in that way. And it works for us to maintain that input that the kids are getting in the two languages. So in terms of my ideal outcome for Victoria, I would love her to feel comfortable speaking to her grandparents 
in Spanish. Her Spanish grandparents don't speak any English. I would love for her to be able to read and write comfortably in Spanish, maybe even to a level that she could go to college in, in Spain if she wanted to. Um, I would love for her to be able to share some parts of Spanish culture with her dad. Um, I'd like her to know something about Spanish soccer, Spanish food culture, just so that she can have something like that relationship with her, her dad. Um, I, I am somewhat nervous, anxious about how hard this is going to be. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of families where once kids start school and most, most of their friends speak English, that it becomes a lot harder to keep them in Spanish. So I, I do foresee that being somewhat difficult, but uh, we haven't discussed this yet, but both Sarda and I plan to send our kids to, there's a bilingual school in our area. So both of our, all of our kids will, will go there. So we're hoping that that will kind of delay or ameliorate the kind of desire to, to switch to English and only English at home. Hopefully at least help them read and write in Spanish so we don't have to do it all at home. Yeah. Which is, which is interesting because for me, and just switching to, to my strategies too, um, I, I'm super excited that we have a bilingual school in the area because that means that I'm not the primary person that my kids are going to have to learn to read and write from. And that kind of makes me be more at, at ease because we already work a lot of hours, right? Don't want to force our kids after school to be like, hey, now you're going to read in Spanish for hours. Hopefully someone else will do that and then they will say us something natural when it happens with other bilingual children too. But uh, my concern number one, um, although this is kind of change a little bit over time, was French because my husband comes from a bilingual family. There, um, his two brothers and his mom um, can speak both languages. So like I talked to my mother-in-law in English and she talks to my husband and his brothers in English because that's the language they had at home. But uh, then between my husband and, and his brothers, they speak in French, right? So how can I maximize that French? And that's kind of gonna be the challenge for us. We don't see um, my brothers-in-law a lot. So we don't get that much French input. Most of the French input that my kids get is from my husband. So we're worried about that. And also my husband is a heritage speaker, a bilingual speaker of French. So he sometimes struggles with writing in French. He makes a few mistakes and things like that. So I really think that learning how to read and write in French is going to be significantly harder for us. So I worry about my son and my daughter maintaining that French. Although so far, my, my husband is a stay-at-home dad and their dominant language right now is, is French. So I'm really proud of that. Um, and yeah, like, like Lauren said, bilingualism, like the bilingual school would be a great asset for us. But uh, also summers in Spain and France, hopefully. So far, what we haven't been able to go to France. My mother-in-law has um, flown to Spain to spend time with us. And we actually asked her, this is a little bit weird, but we asked her to speak to my, my kids in French because she, she can speak French. Uh, we get that input in French as well. But again, like Lauren said, hopefully he can go to like a summer school in France or something like that because we ultimately would love for my kids to, to go to college in Europe. Oh, that they feel that they can do that, right? Yeah, that would be great if they had the option. Um, okay, so why we are doing this podcast, what, I'm interested in doing this podcast as kind of a way of making this experience more uh, normalized in the United States. Through my work with researching bilingual children, a lot of families that I meet are very stressed about this process. They feel really guilty about a lot of uh 
you know, whether it's their language practices at home, whether it's, you know, allowing English to creep in too much or too early. Uh, and I just don't like that feeling of anxiety that I get from a lot of bilingual parents that I interact with. I, I'd like this to just be a space for kind of solidarity and normalizing all bilingual parenting experiences. Yeah, like you said, Lauren, I think the whole process is going to change depending on where we're at um, throughout those years. Because uh, right now, like you and I are dealing with small kids, but hopefully we can get some input from people who have done this uh, for a long time. And they can tell us, well, at this point in time, it's probably gonna be more challenging or these are the strategies that I use um, to help with my kid. Um, like you said, it's a pretty isolating um, experience if you don't connect with other people. So we wanted to provide some sort of virtual community so everybody can talk to us um, and tell us what their experience has been. Sometimes it doesn't work out, like uh, Lauren said, it didn't go the way you wanted. So you kind of blame yourself. So we just wanted that. We just wanted um, to kind of have this community to talk to each other and learn from each other and support each other as much as we can. And also, given that Lauren and I have training in second language acquisition and bilingualism, and Lauren has all of these experience with education in the United States, for instance, uh, we probably um, find the people who have the connections to hopefully bring people that can help us, uh, all of us actually, to learn a few more things. And also uh, we can even talk about books, uh, review a few, a few books, guides out there on how to raise your kids bilingual. And hopefully we can do that with a more critical eye and do our best to, to help everybody out and also provide that support even for us as moms. Yeah, and we'd love to hear from our listeners about what you guys are interested in hearing about, uh, any questions that you have, any interviews you'd like us to do, and we can, we can definitely work on that for future episodes. All right, so we're going to leave it here for today. We'll be back soon with another episode of Montalvo Mama. Ciao. If you have questions, go to home in our website and click on the link for questions. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Stay tuned for another episode of Multilingual Mamas.